Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Elizabeth Dahl. Elizabeth is the owner of a womanofwellness.com and helps women heal their relationship with food and their bodies and experience joy and wellness. She believes every woman has the knowledge of what she truly needs deep within herself and that they can learn to love their bodies, heal their relationship with food, and find joy in exercise and movement. Elizabeth helps by offering online programs and personalized coaching to women searching for food freedom and a desire to live a happy, healthy lifestyle without limitations. In the episode, She shares common misconceptions about intuitive eating, why emotional eating can actually be a good thing, tips for eating more mindfully while working from home, and more. Before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, which is Thrive Market. I used to think that eating healthy meant I had to spend a ton of money on groceries, And to be honest, I did used to spend a lot of money on food until I discovered Thrive Market. If you've never heard of it, Thrive Market is essentially an online grocery platform that's a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive doesn't have any brick-and-mortar locations, you can conveniently order all of your fridge, freezer, and pantry staples in just a few clicks on their website or app. And their app is great. I honestly prefer it to their website. It's so intuitive and easy to use. Then, once you've ordered, Thrive delivers everything from 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers to organic wine right to your door. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. And one more thing, outside of hosting this podcast, I work with clients one-on-one and also through my monthly membership to help them lose weight for the last time without dieting. If you've tried to drop that extra weight, doing everything under the sun, Beachbody, Weight Watchers, Noom, Keto, Juice Cleanses, I mean, the list goes on and on, but you haven't been successful, I would love to connect with you. Visit thehealthinvestment.com to learn more about my nutrition coaching services, and please don't hesitate to reach out with any questions you may have. All right, it's time to hear from Elizabeth. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, Certified Nutrition Coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Health Investment Podcast. I was just mentioning off air that 
I know you're here for mindset stuff, which I'm super excited about. And then I do a bunch of that with my clients as well, but they're always asking for more. So I can't wait for this to be the episode that I send literally everyone to, to hear about food and mindset and all of that great stuff. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I would love if you could just start with your story, as much of it as you want to get into, and kind of specifically what led you to want to help. I know you say you help women heal their relationship with food and their bodies and experience joy and wellness. Yeah. So I kind of started in, well, we can fast forward a little way and just say I started as a personal trainer. And I really loved working with the women that I worked with. But I found that there was this disconnect. I would give them an exercise plan, a, nu- a nutrition plan, and I would see them just a couple times a week. You know, we'd just exercise together. Um, but what would happen is they would come back to me and they'd say, well, I, I didn't follow the plan or I didn't do this thing that you told me to do. And I noticed that I'm just, by the way, I'm getting over a cold. So everyone knows, just know that (laughs) we're working through it today. We're showing up imperfectly, but, um, so I noticed that women were just having a hard time, like actually following through with those things. And it was because life, life got in the way, things got in the way. And what I realized is that a health, health and wellness is more than just following a plan. It's about identifying how it fits into your own life. So that's what led me to then go on. I went and got um, my master's degree in exercise physiology and wellness coaching because I realized that there was something missing. It was missing this concept of working through how to fit these wellness plans basically into their lives. And so that's kind of where I went. I spent a few years in corporate wellness and then I had my babies and decided I want to do this for more women. And so I took it online and that is where a woman of wellness came from. Uh, Wow. I didn't know you worked in corporate wellness too. That seems like a beast. Yeah, it was fun. It's just, (laughs) it's kind of like, you know, you spend nine to five and you can meet with five clients and that's all you can cover, you know? And so I love Mm. that the reach can be so much bigger in the online space. Right. What about the joy and wellness piece? Do you find, I mean, why, why those words? Yeah. So one of my big messages is that I really believe I want to help women find joy, enjoyment in wellness. And I think so much of the world of health and fitness is about pain and suffering and like grit and bearing through it and all this stuff like, oh, I have to go on another diet, uh, you know, or like I can't eat that because that's not on my diet or I have to do CrossFit because that's the perfect exercise I'm supposed to do, like all of these things. And I want to help women. I have a, a really strong belief that every woman is capable of knowing and meeting the needs of her own body. And so mm-hmm. I just want to come in and help them discover what that looks like for them. And if that means CrossFit is what you enjoy as part of your wellness, awesome. If that means yoga is what you enjoy, swimming, biking, running, whatever your thing is, I want to help women realize that there is joy in wellness and taking care of their bodies. And it doesn't have to be painful or not fun or anything like that, but it can be exciting and enjoyable to show up 
in the way that you want to show up. And wellness looks different for everyone. And my message is to hopefully help women figure out what their vision of wellness is. I love that. So why would you say many, I know you work primarily with women, but men as well have a terrible kind of relationship with food specifically in the first place? Um, yeah, I, that's kind of an interesting question. I've never really been asked so much about men, but I think, I mean, it really is, it's the same situation, right? It's, it's all about saying like, how can I start to experience wellness within the lifestyle that I want to live? So whether you're male or female, those, all of those feelings and those emotions can exist exactly the same in women or men. And just recognizing that, I can step into the identity of the woman or man of wellness um, that I want to become by looking into what feels good to me and fits my lifestyle. Mm. And then how do you kind of lead people more specifically, I guess, to like what feels good to them? Is it just a lot of kind of soul searching and trying different things or what route do you take with your clients? Yeah. So the biggest thing that I like to teach them is to help them identify their own vision. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what their vision looks like as a woman or a man, I don't work with men really, but um, as a woman of wellness, what would that look like? And I like to ask them more about what it would feel like to become that woman of wellness. So, so many times in the wellness world, it's all about what is, what should the number on the scale be? What should my size be? Numbers, numbers, how fast should I run this race? Um, what's my timeline and all of these things. And I kind of take a little bit of a different approach. I ask women, what do you want to feel? How do you want to feel? What would your ideal day look like as a woman of wellness? What would you do? Would you track your food or not track your food? Like asking yourself a lot of questions. Questions, the quality of your questions determines the quality of your life. And so we begin by asking questions of like, well, what do I even want? Because so many times we're bombarded in the world of health and wellness with what everyone else thinks we should be and how how health should be, or, you know, the ideal situation of quote health. And I like to ask women to go inside themselves. And instead Mm -hmm. of saying what it looks like and how many, what the weight is and the numbers and all of that, what would it feel like to be able to go on a hike with your family and feel like you could keep up or to jump in the pool in the swimsuit and feel really good. When we tap into feelings, that leads to that what we just talked about, that enjoyment of wellness, because it's all about you. It's what your wellness lifestyle looks like, not mine. And that's the beauty in it is discovering your own wellness lifestyle. So that's really where we start is creating that vision of what you want it to look like. So it's almost kind of a backwards design. In what way? Oh, so like starting with the end in mind and then kind of what are the things then that I would do in my day to day that would get me to that feeling? Yeah. So what we do is we identify the vision. It's kind of like a, a bridge since we don't, we uh-huh. aren't here in person. We can't see what I'm doing with my hands. Um, I like to visualize a bridge 
And we have a place that we want to go, you know, in the bridge, or you could even just say like a vacation. Maybe you want to go on a road trip and you see an end in mind. Okay. I want to go to, I don't know, the beach or something. And we have this end destination. What the beach, I want to experience the sand and the waves and the sun, and I want to feel good and all of that. So you kind of can like step into this destination here. Mm -hmm. Well, we're we're in California or something. I don't know. (laughs) California, I guess, has a beach. But like, let's say we're somewhere, we're home and we need to get to that destination, that beach. Well, in order to get there, we have to first meet ourselves where we are. We have to start from where we are and then we have to have a map to help guide us to get there. So Mm -hmm. the vision comes first because we have to know where we're going. And then when we've created the vision, we meet ourselves where we are right now. It's okay that you're not at your vision. The enjoyment of wellness comes in where we learn how to get there. And then the path to get there is essentially your map, taking those steps from where you are to where you want to be. So I guess, yeah, you could kind of say it's like a backwards approach. We we look at the future and then meet ourselves right where we are. Do you get some resistance if people have been dieting forever and following plans of just worry and fear that I'll be out of control and I won't know what to do. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. How do you address? Cause I'm, if somebody's listening to this right now and thinking, what, I could never do that. How do you kind of address that? Yeah. So the thing that I want to say first is it's okay to honor those emotions and it's okay mm-hmm. to feel those feelings, especially if you've been dieting for most of your life, those, those things have become truth for you, right? So you've learned that if you're on a diet, you're losing weight. If you're not on a diet, you're gaining weight or, or somewhere in, in the middle there. And so of course it makes sense that there's this fear associated with going a new direction, almost a, an intuitive direction, you know, starting to listen to your body when most of your life has spent listen, been spent listening to other people tell you what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat, how to exercise and all of those things. So there of course is an initial fear. And if you feel that it's okay. And so one of the things that I recommend is like, let's, let's lean into this fear and let's start creating new stories. Your story has always been that you can't manage your body without a diet. You're either on the diet and you're losing weight or you're off the diet and gaining weight. And I come in and say, okay, well, well, let's talk for a minute. Do you want to be on a diet for the rest of your life? Most people tell me no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then I come in and say, well, what would it look like for us to start taking some steps toward listening to your body Mm -hmm. and having some hope there? It's okay to hold on to a little bit of hope. It's okay to hold on to other people's stories and know that like this has been done for other women and, and and it can be done for you, even if it hasn't been part of your story, but starting to be in tune with your body and listening and saying, okay, I can begin to honor my hunger and fullness without tracking or measuring or weighing my food. I can begin to listen to how that food made me feel or how that food made me feel, or, you know, I can start to pay attention to my emotions. And so the thing that I recommend is it's okay to have the fear And it's okay that you're going to mess up and and to recognize that it's not going to be perfect, but you can create change from within and it just requires you to keep showing up 
because really my definition of failure is, is giving up. Mm. We don't fail. We can't fail if we keep showing up and keep trying. So that would be my number one recommend recommendation is it's okay to have fear. It's okay to fear experience those emotions and then step into it and say, well, I can be the guide of my own health and wellness and start trying things. You can play around with it. And that's really what I teach women. I teach women how to become an expert of their own body. I know in kind of association with that idea, you've mentioned the term gentle nutrition. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that? Yes. So gentle nutrition really... The thing about wellness is it requires us to have a bit of nutrition knowledge. Um, There's a lot, there's a range of what nutrition knowledge we can have, but it's really important that we know what foods do for our bodies and recognize how they all fit in. I mean, what's the quote, knowledge is power. You know, when we start Mm -hmm. to gain a little bit of knowledge about what food does for us, it helps us make some decisions. And the way that I like to kind of phrase that I like to talk about gentle nutrition is it's not about following the diet because it's a healthy versus an unhealthy food, but starting to recognize how can I start supporting my body with nutrition? Do I need Mm -hmm. to, do I find myself binging at night because I haven't eaten enough during the day? Maybe I need to start with some breakfast. I need to start consistently getting breakfast. Or, you know, I noticed that the afternoon is tricky and I always go for the chips in the cupboard or, you know, my emotions are a mess. I need to make sure that I'm paying attention that like, yeah, I am actually hungry during that time. I'm biologically hungry. I'm going to have a snack ready for myself. So recognizing that like, it's all about being gentle with yourself in terms of nutrition too. It's not absolute. It's not saying, well, if I'm off the diet, I'm completely off. I'll eat all the donuts and the cookies until my next diet starts. It's about learning to find that balance and say, okay, all foods are available to me and I get to choose in what balance that looks like. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what you're describing, I think people would call mindful eating in a way. Is that really, I mean, what is your definition, I guess, of mindful eating? I think there are so many out there. Yes. So there's, there's a little bit of a differentiation between there's mindful eating and then there's intuitive eating. Um, mindful eating is, is more about just paying attention to the foods that you put in your mouth and, and all of that. Like it, it's a little bit more of a, just being mindful about what you're eating. The phrase intuitive eating I love because it's about connecting with your body. So a lot of a lot of um, people might say that intuitive eating is a free-for-all. Eat whatever you want. All foods are available. But I actually believe intuitive eating is about learning what serves you best and your unique body. So you take, you know, you, you begin to create some changes with your nutrition and you start to learn, oh, that makes me feel better. Or, hey, that made me feel a little bit hungry. I'm going to add a protein or a fat with that the next time. So recognizing like intuitive eating, and we could say mindful eating, but it's a little bit different, um, is very much an approach of learning to use nutrition to help you achieve your wellness goals, help you in the way that you want to feel in your body. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it does. I know, I think probably you mentioned it. One of the misconceptions is if I am allowed to eat all foods, I'll just eat all donuts or all pizza or something. Um, So what do you say to the person that's, again, fearful of kind of, if I let myself eat intuitively, I'll be completely out of control? Yeah. And nobody's going to like my answer, but you might at first. (laughs) And that's okay. It's okay to experience that. So one thing I like to um, reference is a pendulum. And our health and wellness essentially is on a pendulum and it's swinging. And usually when we're on diets, we're all the way on one side of the pendulum. Strict rules, um, very, you know, can't eat this, can't eat that, labels on food, like super strict. And on the other side of the pendulum is just basically, you know, no regards to guidelines, nutrition, free for all, I'll do whatever I want. And most people, I think, would like to be in in the middle, a balanced relationship with food where we have, we allow foods, but we also, you know, set some guidelines for ourselves and and allow the food to support our bodies. And so what happens when someone has been on a diet for a really long time is that when I say, okay, we're going to bring food back in, my, I, I have a program called Food Freedom and my Food Freedom students are going through this right now. <laughs> so we're in the middle of it right now. But um, when you've been on those diets and we say, okay, let's bring food back in, we've got to start experiencing a balanced relationship with all foods. There's a bit of a swing that happens and we do start to explore more foods because you've, you've, you've kind of restricted for so long, whether or not you've actually followed the restrictions mentally, you've restricted, even if you've eaten that Mm. food, you've mentally said like, I shouldn't be eating this or this is bad, all of that. And so it's normal for you to swing a little bit far and to explore foods. But what happens is, is that as you, as you practice and start to listen to your body, the pendulum moves more toward the middle. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things, again, that it just requires, it requires you to jump in and a little bit of practice to be able to start experiencing that, that middle swinging. And, and like I said, I have some students in the program that have just kind of gone through that and, and they're sharing like, okay, I'm starting to notice that I'm, I'm asking myself, like, how is this food going to make me feel? And do I want it? And and how do I find that balance? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, So then that's obviously one of the kind of misunderstood principles I'd say of intuitive eating is I'm just going to be on the other end of the pendulum forever and I'm never going to kind of get control. What are some of the other uh, misunderstood principles, would you say? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Well, we could bring the weight loss discussion into it. (laughs) This is always a favorite. A lot of people feel that intuitive eating and weight loss can't coexist Mm. because the misconception is that it's like a free-for-all, eat whatever you want, or the only way you can lose weight is by tracking, measuring, weighing, all of that. And here's the thing. I shared this on my own podcast the other day. Um, Your outcome will match your level of commitment, Mm -hmm. okay? So- when you begin to make changes with your nutrition and you're consistent, that's the key here. Mm -hmm. And that's what intuitive eating teaches is 
learning how to be consistent with your food. The diet cycle teaches us to go up and down, right? Binge restrict, binge restrict, back and forth. And there's no consistency there. But when we step into this intuitive eating lifestyle, we learn how to create more of a balance with food. I always think of like a big up and down roller coaster versus like one of those little kitty up and downs. Like we're going to have up and downs, but they're not so dramatic. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that people say is, well, you can't lose weight intuitive eating. Here's the thing. You absolutely can. Mm-hmm. And it's it's in a way where you begin to match your nutrition strategy with the outcome that you want and you start to meet yourself in the middle. You start to create that balance with the pendulum. And when you're, when you have a really good relationship with food, then you can bring in things like some guidelines of, okay, I'm going to go to bed a little bit hungry because I know that in order for weight loss to occur, there has to be some sort of deficit. That's science. That's physiology. Mm -hmm. But when we enter this extreme deficit in a diet, it's too hard. It's too hard to maintain. And so Mm -hmm. we want to bring it in and say, okay, I can, I can use the intuitive eating approach to listen to my body and to say, okay, I'm going to enter a deficit for a few weeks and then I'm going to maintain and learn how. And so it's, it's kind of a system and a strategy that's like a little bit longer than, than obviously the podcast episode can go. But Basically, what I want to teach is that weight loss can occur within the concept of intuitive eating because you have a happy relationship with food and your body. And so Mm -hmm. as soon as your habits begin to change, your body will begin to change. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I know you did a post that I loved. Um, I say something similar. I say change requires change, but you say change requires discomfort. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that's a great one. I don't even remember posting that. You did. <laughs> um, <laughs> Caught yeah. my eye. <laughs> yeah. So the thing about – so sometimes we think about the word discomfort and it, it brings in like a bad feeling, right? Oh, I don't mm. want to feel discomfort. And I want to I want to give it an analogy of your comfort zone. Your comfort zone is never stagnant. It's always growing or shrinking. When we're pushing that comfort zone, it's growing. We're trying new things, we're growing. When we're doing nothing, it's shrinking. It, it's essentially making us feel less comfortable with more things. And so the the reason that I say change requires a little discomfort is because it requires you to step into something that you're not used to doing right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if you want to go from dieting to intuitive eating, there's some discomfort that has to happen. You have to begin asking yourself like, okay, am I willing to trust that I'm capable of listening to my own body? That's a foreign Mm -hmm. concept for people that have been on a diet for a long time. And so you then come in and ask yourself those questions like, am I comfortable, you know, starting to try to listen to my hunger and my fullness cues? I haven't tried that before. That's a little bit discomfort or uncomfortable, I guess, to say, you know, I'm going to listen to my hunger and my fullness and I'm going to stop when I'm 80% full or I'm going to stop when I feel full and starting to do some of those things and, and creating some change in your habits requires a little bit of discomfort because it's not something that you're normally doing. Mm-hmm. But we know with most everything in life that discomfort 
helps bring change. And it doesn't have to be a negative word. It can be a positive word of like, I'm going to step into a little discomfort so that I can essentially be more comfortable so that I can feel better and know that when I step into that zone, I come out with a better outcome. I mean, we could, we could look at this in other areas of our lives, right? When we, maybe let's say we're trying to like save money. It's a little uncomfortable to tighten the wallet a little bit, you know, to not do say yes to this or to, you know, save a little bit of extra money. But we know that in the long run, it is going to, you know, serve you in good ways. Yeah. I may I just say you are fantastic with the analogies. I really love <laughs> analogies. I learn through them and they always make so much sense to me, but you've got a lot of good ones. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that about yourself? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I um I have a lot of money analogies because in the world of health and wellness, I'm really good at helping people change their stories. But it's so yeah. funny because if you were going to compare my life, I have lots of money stories. And so it's been really helpful for me to like do comparisons in a way that's not health and wellness because I think it helps us understand it better. Yeah, totally. Well, and I also love the big roller coaster, baby roller coaster one and the pendulum one. I mean, you got, I would give yourself credit. You've got some even outside of money. So that's (laughs) a skill that maybe you weren't sure that you had, but I can confirm you have a skill of analogies. (laughs) Welcome to analogies with Elizabeth. Maybe we'll just do a whole episode on that. (laughs) There's the title. There we go. (laughs) Uh, So I would love to kind of dive into some of the topics you've covered on your podcast I know that one episode you did on why emotional eating is actually good for you. And obviously, you know, you can give us maybe a little highlight reel, but then listeners can go and find your podcast, which you'll mention at the end and hear even more about that. But that seems very counterintuitive to what we see posted on social media, you know, Google, whatever. So why is that the case? Yeah. So um, it's a really good question. And I like to think of emotional eating as a gift and it sounds really weird to say that, but it's an opportunity for you to get in tune with your body. So emotional eating, when we are turning to food to deal with our emotions, that essentially triggers a red flag for us and says, Hey, something's wrong in my body. I'm stressed. I'm tired. I'm sad. I'm lonely. Like any of these emotions, I'm angry. It gives us an opportunity to say, oh, hey, I see you emotion and I see that you're telling me that something's off in my body that needs to be corrected. And a lot of times what we do is we just turn to food and that essentially numbs it or, you know, just like makes it so we don't have to deal with it. And I like to turn the perspective here and say, instead of looking at emotional eating as a bad thing. Actually, let's see it as an opportunity to ask ourselves what is going on in our body that we can then help support. Mm. Asking ourselves, okay, I'm noticing that I'm like eating and I'm stressed out. Stress, that's my emotion right now. Is there something that I can do to help my body feel calm that isn't food? Because we know that food when we turn to food, it only lasts for a minute and then we experience guilt and shame and all of those feelings after, and it doesn't solve the issue. So when you are experiencing an emotional eating episode, 
I actually really like to say it's a gift. It doesn't matter. You're, you're never going to be perfect. We're all going to experience emotions. Take a minute to look at it and say, this is an opportunity for me to get one more inch closer to being in tune with my body. And that's a gift because when we're in tune with our body, we can consistently give it what it needs. So then you can ask yourself, okay, I'm eating this out of anger. What do I need to do to deal with my anger? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the physical representation. Like you said, the red flag that something else is going on. So you see it not as a bad thing, but as now I have this external cue and I can deal with the internal stuff. Yeah, essentially. Like you recognizing that it really is we've created a connection that is so strong that when we have emotions, we turn to food. And Mm -hmm. so I'm coming in and saying, let's kind of break that connection and let's reroute it. Mm -hmm. Let's do an analogy here. Okay. So maybe we can say like flying in an airplane. Sometimes that path that we're taking in the airplane is not, it, maybe there's a storm or something. And so we have to reroute to a place of safety and comfort. And so that's exactly what your body needs is saying, okay, I, I see this upcoming like potential bad scenario, right? Like I'm, I'm going to turn to food to deal with this emotion. I always experience shame and guilt afterwards. Hey, actually, I'm just going to take a minute and reroute. I recognize this is stress. What can I do to calm my body in a way that's not food? And there's your new habit, your new habit loop that creates that rerouting. So then the next time you feel stressed, you know what to do with it instead of go to food. Mm-hmm. I know you did another recent episode on, uh, the, was it called something like the cost of getting lean? Yes. Okay. Can you, cause I love that one and I know it was a hit. Can you explain what you mean about that? Absolutely. Um, so I think sometimes in the wellness world, we have, we have kind of a belief. We have a misunderstanding. I think the word is, is like what it takes to get where we want to go. And I think it's really important to recognize that your, I think I said this earlier, but your outcome is going to match your level of commitment. But here's Mm -hmm. the cool thing is that you get to choose what your level of commitment looks like. So for example, I feel like I have to just do a disclaimer. Here's another analogy. Think about um, figure competitors or bodybuilders, right? Their level of commitment is very different than the level of commitment that I want to put into my health and wellness. Right. And so a lot of times we see that and we go, well, I want that body or, or whatever. And we think, well, why, why can't I have that? And, and the reminder is that it, there's no right or wrong answer and there's no, there's no like, it's not right or wrong for like a particular body size or shape or anything. I think sometimes we have this image that like, this is the right body size and this is the wrong body size. There's not, but there is a a right one for you. And it's connected with your vision of a woman of wellness, essentially. Like it's connected with that vision of what wellness looks like for you. And so you recognize like how, what do, what habits do I need to begin to create to help me get where I want to go. And it's okay, like we talked about earlier, to step into some of that discomfort and ask ourselves, like, what would it look like for me to step into some discomfort and create change in my habits so that then I can match my 
efforts with the outcome that I want. But so often there's that disconnect of like, well, I want that, but I'm not willing to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's not wrong or right, but it's essentially asking yourself, well, what am I willing to put in to get what I what I want from this? Yeah, I think that's such a good point. And then I think a lot of guilt comes along with that too, or shame of, you know, I'm trying to get this body that I'm seeing in all these images, but I'm not getting it. So I must be doing something wrong. But I think it's also important to realize like we don't see the level of commitment of so many other people and maybe they're posting 1% of it, but you're not seeing the rigorous workouts they're doing or the, I don't know, you know, them, if you're in a bodybuilding competition, there is a lot of kind of measuring food and all these things. And if you really were to see the behind the scenes of that person, then I think it would be easier maybe to say, oh, I actually don't want that. That is a lot of work, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, I used to work in, in a gym when I was, when I was a trainer and we had the state's top, um, figure competitor trainer, bodybuilding trainer, whatever you want to call him. And, uh, I just will never forget. I remember watching one of the, one of them, one of his clients. I was at the gym that day for like three hours, just working. And I watched her on the treadmill for three hours at like a really slow pace. And she ate a cucumber and I, and whatever, it's not wrong or right. Like if that's the, the path that she wanted to go, but I was like, that is absolutely not what I want for my life. And I'm okay with that. And just like recognizing that there is, there is a level of commitment that comes according to the level of wellness that you want to achieve in your life. Right. Yeah. Such a good point. And we see, again, I think it's intensified now because there's so many images bombarding us all the time. Um, but we again, don't see the three hours on the treadmill with the cucumber. So you may want the image of what that person looks like, or think you want that, but in reality, you don't probably want that lifestyle. So yeah. And and that's like, that's something that we talk about a lot too, is, you know, recognizing that you get to choose your lifestyle. Right. You totally get to choose the lifestyle that you want to live. And it's not about better, they're better than me or anything like that, but it's just about finding peace and comfort in what you choose for yourself. Yeah. I know we both interviewed Amber from Biceps After Babies, but she was kind of talking about this same idea of an attainable weight versus a maintainable weight. So there's a weight you could attain by going to kind of more drastic measures, but is that really something that's maintainable or sustainable for you or even something that's going to be an enjoyable lifestyle? Maybe not. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, in we're, we're kind of coming out of it a bit now, thank God, but um, of the shelter in place, you know, working from home, some people will continue to work from home even beyond, uh, you know, when things open up beyond the pandemic. But do you have any tips that you've shared with clients or just on social media to help people eat more mindfully while spending so much more time at home right near your kitchen? Yeah, I'm. my simple answer would be set up the environment for the way you want to live. Mm. So, you know, if you, I mean, it's essentially the same thing at work. If you, you know, want, if you want to set up that environment, then have foods that support you in your, in your fridge and in your kitchen. You know, if you have chips on the counter and cookies and snacks, of course we're going to go for those. Like we're more likely to. 
um, if they're just out and about or whatever, if that's like the first go-to, but recognizing like, how can I set up my environment for the, the wellness that I want to live? Maybe you, um, you know, set up a snack station because you're really busy at home and you, you know, need to grab and go really quickly. Or maybe you set up a yoga mat next to your desk and when you have five minutes. So just recognizing like, I think the really simple answer would be, how can I set up my environment for the way that I want to live while I'm working from home? Yeah, I love that. I love, I'll tell clients, you know, put a coaster next to your computer. And then when it's empty, maybe that's a trigger to you. Oh, where's my water? I haven't had water in a while. But I love the idea of having a visual healthy snack station or yoga mat or something that, again, kind of triggers healthful choices and choices that make you feel great throughout the day. Yeah. The kitchen doesn't have to be your enemy. I've seen a lot of posts of, ah, like working five feet from the kitchen. What am I going to do? It's my enemy, but it doesn't have to be that way. Absolutely. Well, I'm so grateful for everything you've shared, but the final question I ask each of my guests is in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? I love that question. I think my answer to that would be what investments fit your lifestyle. So maybe that's not the best phrasing, but basically to say, how can you ask yourself what investing in your health looks like for your unique life? Instead of listening to all of the other, I call them outside voices of like what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to be and all of that. I want to go, I want to go back in. I want to kind of like full circle this thing and say, let's go back in and listen to our own bodies and say, what would it look like for me to commit to my own health and wellness? And that requires an investment, time, maybe money, maybe energy, whatever it is. And asking yourself, what would, what do those look like for my unique life? Mm-hmm. Love that. Love how individualized everything you do is because I agree. I think it really, there's so much coming at us in the health and wellness space. And so much of it is kind of rigid and these plans and rules. And personally, I don't want to live that way. And I don't think you do either. And I think it's just sad to me. And I'm sure it is to you that so many people kind of are victimized by these programs that literally target them now on ads and things. And they think there's no way out of it. So I'm hoping that a lot of people get their hands on this episode and seek you out and just learn from you and learn more from you and your podcast as well. Speaking of where are the best places for everybody to find and follow you? Yes. So yeah, I have a podcast. It's called the woman of wellness podcast. So you can search for that anywhere. Um, I'm on Instagram at a woman of wellness. <laughs> um, and then just a couple, I'll just kind of share a couple of things, resources that if people are struggling with this, um, might be helpful and I can send you some links, but I have, I do have an emotional eating free mini course, um, that just like helps kind of work through some of the things that we talked about here. Um, and then I also have a guide to help women who are, um, wanting to make that transition away from dieting and more to intuitive eating, but are nervous or scared or anything like that. Um, those are kind of the two resources that if you wanted to get started that I think those would be really great places to get started. 
Awesome. Yeah. I would love if you would send me links to both of those and then I'll put them in the show notes and I'll also link up your Instagram and your podcast. So everything's just clickable and ready to go. Uh, but just thanks again, Elizabeth. I really appreciate you being here and sharing all of this. And again, I said, I can't wait to turn people to this mindset episode. And I know a lot, a lot of people's lives are going to be enriched by what you had to say. So thanks again. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the health investment podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.